Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 109th episode, it's part two of our 2020 Christmas special. And so this week I'll be joined by Chris Sims, co-host of War Rocket Ajax, Apocrypals, Sailor Business, Xena Warrior Business, Movie Fighters, and I'm sure there are more podcasts, to talk about Christmas media and Christmas memories. Specifically, Mickey's Christmas Carol and the Charlie Brown Christmas. Along the way, we discuss what to call a McFlurry that doesn't flurry, St. Paul, Minnesota's famous two-and-a-half-foot-tall sadness wall, and the only ethical fantastic quadrillionaire. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on The Math of You. Editor's note, you'll hear Chris and I talk about both the War Rocket Ajax Christmas special as well as an episode of the podcast Intuit with L. Collins that Chris did back in 2014. I consider both to be essential listening, so I've linked to them in the show notes. We join this conversation already in progress. So for those who may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? I'm Chris Sims. And you know what makes me a beautiful and unique snowflake? It's I'm a friend of Lucas Brown's. Aw, that's nice, buddy. Also very fitting, as it would be winter for you, even though it is the depths of summer here. And I currently have, to my right, a Krispy Kreme snowman. And it has a sour rope as a scarf, which I think was a nice touch. Specifically, though, they have chosen that the snowman and the Christmas tree donuts essentially have the same shape but are colored differently to make one the other. Uh, yeah, what is it? What, a sour rope? Is that like a Twizzler? It's like a gummy thing, but it's flat, and it has like those little sour particles that they put on things like Sour Patch Kids. Oh, so it, so it looks snowy, too. That's nice. That's lovely. Yeah, it's a good touch. Yeah, I, We have cookies. We've been doing a lot of cookie baking. I made some kolaches uh, for the first time. We're going to try and make a bouche de Noël tomorrow, which should be very fun. Ooh. ooh. Uh, our, our first ever attempt at that. Sorry, I'm French Canadian. My my brain went, yeah, love a good Christmas mouth. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, but I'm saying it right, right? Like that's what that's what no, I no, thought. You, you are. That's what it's just are what the literal translation is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just an odd thing when I heard it. And my brain translated it and went, yep, Christmas mouth. Yeah, <laughs> like I was pretty sure that's what that meant. I did barely pass French four times in high school, twenty years ago. So, I mean, I learned what French I know early enough that. I didn't think of it in terms of written words. So, for example, certain things that were said, I didn't, I, I think of in a dialecty way because 
in French-Canadian French, a lot of things are slurred together or combined in a way of dialects everywhere, right? So, for example, I had a conver- uh, an intense conversation with one mutual friend of ours, James Leesk, about pâté chinois, which in my head is like a run-on word the way you see like some outback towns with Aboriginal names. But then I had to break it down in order to write it, and I went, pâté chinois, oh, Chinese pie. Oh, that makes no sense, and then I had to go do research. What's funny is that the research I found, because it's basically shepherd's pie with cream corn in the middle and beef instead of lamb, and also boring. But what I found is that there are people who have done, like, their theses on pâté chinois, and even they can't find out where the hell it came from. How very odd. So it's a mystery. Like, literally, when you get to it where it's like, I'm sure a cursory Google search will tell me, and then the first result of a Google search is, yeah, this guy made it his life's work, and he has no idea. It's like, cool. So I guess I won't be finding that out today. I was, I'm sure I was going somewhere with this, but I have noticed that Matthew episodes that are recorded in November, December of a pandemic that's been going since March are a bit loopier than the ones that happened before. Just a bit, buddy. It's been a year. It's been a year. It's been a year, for sure. All 20 years of it. It's a long one. But also two weeks. But hey, it's Christmas now. That is correct. It's not even almost Christmas. It's... Right now is the 23rd of December. So this morning when Hero asked Alexa how many days until Christmas, and Alexa said two, he didn't know what to do with that information. It's intense. Because it's always been a way away, and now it's like, two, I can count to that. Oh, no. What's going to happen? And I'm like, well, you're going to daycare today. And his answer was, no, it's almost Christmas. Like, the, that's the weird thing about this year is that, like, March and April were roughly six years long each. I think. And then, like, Thanksgiving was yesterday, I think. And, like, my birthday was maybe two weeks ago in August. Like, time has ceased to exist in any absolute form. Yeah, it's like when you realize that, like, you know, June was six months ago, and you're like, I don't fucking know what I was doing in June. June didn't happen. Sounds fake. I literally could not tell you one thing I did in June. (laughs) I have no idea. I assume I recorded four episodes of Rocket Ajax. I was going to say, because you are at the beginning of your Christmas break. You are stopping your many podcasts, mm-hmm. bringing them to a halt for the season, for the festive season. How does that feel? Like, how's your vibe going into this holiday? Uh, pretty amazing, actually, because it's not even just that. Like, I also, for the first time, literally ever, for the first time since college, I have time off. I have time off that, like, I don't have to worry about catching up with freelance work and making sure I get paid. Like I have an actual vacation for the end of the year. So we've got an every story ever to record, but we're done with Apocrypals and Ajax and, and the business shows. Uh, we might do one more uh, every pine ever, which is the podcast that I do with my wife. That's about eating ice cream and being extremely married, extremely married because I want to do one where we go get the cookout eggnog milkshake, but like, that's it. You have built cookout up to me, by the way, as this like, mythical thing (laughs) thanks to your various and uh, sundry mentions of cookout on your various podcasts okay well i think the thing i think you need to understand (laughs) is it's okay right like quality wise it's okay the hamburgers are good the hamburgers are actually like pretty good the barbecue is kind of surprisingly good for just like swinging through a fast food restaurant like the pulled pork the rest of it is essentially like if you go there and get nuggets it's basically like you went to the store and bought nuggets in the frozen food aisle and then brought them home and made them got it 
But, <laughs> but the 40 fancy milkshakes and the fact that uh, I could go there at 2 a.m. and get it. And that you can, like, that nuggets count as a side. So you could get a hamburger and a side of nuggets and, a, and your second side will be a quesadilla. That's the <laughs> magic of cookout. Like, it's... Like, I don't want you to go there and be like, this food is going to change my life, but it is an experience that I wish we could all have. <laughs> like, I don't even, I have not done, I have not done like a, like a 2 a.m. cookout in at least six years, because I have not done it while I have been in a relationship with the woman who is my wife. With someone who can step in and be sensible. Yeah. Someone who can be like, hey, don't, this is madness, <laughs> but it's nice to know I can if I want to, like if I wanted to tonight, even even in the depths of this year, <laughs> I could do it. I like this idea, and I, I like the idea that you can, you know, accept touchstones. Like, for example, would you be surprised if I told you that until I met Kimiko, I had not eaten at McDonald's in, like, 14 years? That's a little surprising. Right? It, it was really just that I didn't love McDonald's when I was in Canada, and... Then I came to Australia, and where I was living in Australia didn't have one, and the closest one was a bit of a hike, and we didn't have a car, so it just didn't happen. And it was, for a while, it was like, I, I realized, like, at the, the decade mark, I'm like, it has been, like, 10 years since I had McDonald's, and I probably don't miss it. And then I was like, oh, I'll break my McDonald's fast, and I'll get a McFlurry. I remember liking McFlurries, except for, I'm going to get close in on the mic for you, Chris, uh, they don't stir the McFlurries here. It's really weird. They don't have that special spoon that like goes into the thing that makes it like almost like a, a knockoff blizzard. It's just ice cream with stuff on top. What? That's not a blizzard, I know, right? What? That's it's a it's it's a, it's a McFlurry because it's like a flurry of snow. Like there's th- things caught up in it. Yeah, no, they don't do that here. And I got it, and I was so mad about it that I then continued the streak for like another six years. <laughs> yeah, I actually like uh, no no lie. I had McDonald's tonight. Because AC had to run some errands, and I texted her, and I was like, hey, the weirdest thing just happened. Biscuit said that she wants some fries. <laughs> How odd. How very, very odd of that to happen. So what then happened was that uh, after I met Kimiko, one, who has a car, and two, is not averse to McDonald's like I am. And because she works in media, she would often do like late hours at the office. And then be coming home and be starving. And so she would do drive through That is the point when I learned that my partner and the mother of my child can smash a Big Mac while going 110 kilometers an hour. Heck yeah. And I'm like, that's a skill. She can do that one-handed while keeping the car under control. But then we would get McDonald's sometimes and I was like, you know what I miss? And that I've also not had in that time is, uh, well, they call it Hungry Jack's here, but it's Burger King. And then I had Burger King and I'm like, oh my God, I missed this. This is the actual fast food that I miss. Because Burger King was the nice one that we would go to for special occasions instead of McDonald's when I was a kid. Interesting. Very interesting. I have to say. Also, they have, in a a move that I can only say is American in nature, they have brought in these things for the second time that are called bursties, right? Which are like these little kind of jellies. Bursties? I know. It's the worst. Okay. They're like these little jelly things that um, a lot of fast food places will do the equivalent of a Slurpee here. So they will have a frozen Fanta or a frozen Sprite or frozen Coke. So then Burger King was like, well, we've added bursties to it, which are these little kind of rainbow colored gelatin things that when you drink it, you can like pop them with your teeth and you get like a little burst of flavor, which sounds horrible. But then when they brought them back, they specifically say on the menu that you can have them with any drink on the menu. So Kimiko, our first Hungry Jack stop in a long time, said... I want them in a vanilla milkshake. And she got that, and she took a drink and went, I've made a mistake. <laughs> I mean, she finished it. Let's not get stupid. But she said, yes, I have made a mistake. That's 
There's a lot to unpack there, Lucas. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the getting excited about Burger King is a big one. Hungry Jacks, I think we need to discuss at some point. <laughs> that is because the trademark was already taken when they came to Australia by one small place that has since closed. And so they had to change it. They kept everything the same. There's still the Whopper. It's still the same logo. But instead of BK, it's HJ. So... <laughs> Yeah, I know. Here's my question. Like, are you familiar with the American Burger King commercials? Uh, I remember the BK Kids Club, but that's about it. Okay. Here in America, like the Burger King commercials involve like essentially like a like a, a, a theme park mascot of the Burger King. The Burger King with a terrifying mask. Yes, I think I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Which is like on purpose, like weird. It is very clearly intentionally creepy. Do they have that out there, but it's just, like, a dude named Jack? And if so, what's his deal? Hang on, I'm going to say Hungry Jack's mascot. Oh, the problem is there is a suburb of Sydney called Mascot, uh, and so it's, like, telling me that I could go and get Hungry Jack's at Mascot near the airport. Yes, I know I can get Hungry Jack's near the airport. So that's another thing. A, a town called Mascot sounds like the scariest Western <laughs> that I've, I ever did see. No, it doesn't seem like there is, because all the, the images I've got is, again, it's just sort of... Just Burger King stuff. So no, there is not, in fact, a king of burgers. So Hungry Jacks is a republic, unlike a constitutional monarchy. Well, this is a very informative and, and Christmassy conversation that we're having. I was just about to say, Chris, we were meant to be talking about Christmas. Why are we talking about fast food? Buddy, I don't know. Fast casual dining, my bad. Chris, if people know one thing about you, it is that you love cookouts. <laughs> and if they know two things about you, it is that you love cookout and Batman. Uh-huh. And if they know three things about you... It's that you love Cookout Batman and Dusty Rhodes. But if they get to the fourth, they know about Christmas. Chris Sims loves Christmas. It's true. He does. I am not going to ask you to repeat your incredibly heartfelt and amazing performance on the Intuit podcast back in the day where you talked about how good Santa Claus is because I would not want to attempt to gild that particular lily. But for you, what was Christmas growing up? Like, what was the thing that was like, oh, yeah, now it's Christmas because this is happening? Well, my parents were divorced. Which is the best way to start a fun and happy holiday story, (laughs) I think. Absolutely. I lived in South Carolina with my mom, which is in the southern part of the United States, as the name implies. But my dad and the rest of all our family lived up in Ohio, which is further north, I guess. (laughs) It's not like like super north. It's not like Minneapolis, where my wife's from, or or like up in New England. It, It is a place that is significantly colder and with significantly more snow. So, for, like, Christmas, we would always, you know, pile into the car. My mom was a teacher, so when we all got out of school, we would pile into the car and drive up. And we'd get the snow, we'd get the family and Christmas trees and and all kinds of stuff. And so that, growing up, like, that was the big Christmas thing. Like, we'd have Christmas Eve over at my grandparents' house, and then we'd get in the car with my dad and we'd drive around and look at all the lights which was always very fun. And I still like to do now, although I rarely do it on Christmas Eve. But we go look at all the lights and then we go home and literally in the closest I think we ever got to anything resembling idyllic, my dad would literally read A Christmas Carol to us and I would always fall asleep halfway through. D- don't know how it ends. <laughs> I assume that rich guy died and went to hell and wore the chains he fortune in life. Is that how it ends? Yeah, pretty much. He wears a chain as big as him. The one that's in the shop window. You there. What day is it? There are no days anymore. It's eternity. 
that's nice. See, I, I thought it was going to be the uh, visit from St. Nicholas, which, by the way, I have started reading to Hero because on our the only type of vacation that we can take, which was we drive to a small town outside of Sydney and we had like a week where we were at a, you know, a hotel with a pool and that was nice. We went to a secondhand store, Hero and I, initially because the place had a DVD player and no Wi-Fi. And so I'm like, well, what things are worth a dollar to see right now? But he picked out a hardcover Twas the Night Before Christmas and said, this is a Christmas book, we should get it. And it was like 50 cents because it was like a Salvation Army store. So yeah, we got it. And I have read that to him most nights since. And at first I'm thinking like, there's no way he can parse this language. You know, I can barely parse some of this language because it is quite archaic. But he gets it. He gets the idea. And he is very down with this Christmas poem. I almost said story, but it is a poem. I mean, it's also a story. It is a poem story. (laughs) This Beowulf-like epic about (laughs) St. Nicholas. Although I did have to explain to him that in a way that would probably horrify Benito Serino, that uh, St. Nicholas was Santa Claus. No, no, no. St. Nicholas is Santa Claus. You've seen the the t-shirt. I'm sure. Yeah, I have. That beautiful Venn diagram. Yeah. St. Nicholas, Father Christmas, and Kris Kringle are all Santa Claus. Father (laughs) Christmas is not St. Nicholas. Kris Kringle is not Father Christmas, but they are all Santa Claus. (laughs) But yes, I did have to explain, because they say St. Nicholas about six times in that poem. And he's like, but but it's Santa. I can see the picture. It's like, it's cool. It's cool. He's got different names other places. You didn't want to go through the whole process of explaining, like, Santa Claus and... Dutch immigrants to a country in which Hero does not live. <laughs> nah, I thought we'd skip that. I'll save that for the fourth birthday. Okay, okay. And and we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show, but seeing him get to an age where he can engage with the ephemera of Christmas in a way that he was not able to before and with fresh eyes has really kind of brought it home this year. I mean, not just that it's 2020 and, you know, there's comfort in familiarity and there's comfort in being able to do something like we put a bunch of lights out on our house and we only moved here in February. So it's our first Christmas at this house. So I got up on the ladder. I like, you know, did the icicle lights around the outside of the house. Uh, we I strung it up in the various trees in the front yard. So we did that in a way that we didn't do at our other houses because it felt important this year. And my favorite moment, I think of 2020 is that we were going from the grocery store to the car and as we were you know, looking across sort of the space of the shopping center, I could see they had just set up the Santa's grotto or whatever it's called. I think much like Hugh Hefner, Santa Claus has a grotto. <laughs> All right. Well, in Santa's grotto, they had Santa there and they were setting up for the socially distanced Christmas photos where you are two meters away from Santa, but they perspective it so you're next to him. So wait, 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 do they have an exceptionally large Santa or an exceptionally small Santa? <laughs> it's a real Lord of the Rings nonsense. Well, the thing is that this small Santa was a particularly good Santa. Like, it was a good quality Santa. So I just leaned over to here and I said, hey, look over there. Who do you see? And he looked over and he was sitting in, like, the child's seat on the, the shopping cart. And he's looking and he's looking and he's looking. And then he, like, locked on like a missile and was just like, <gasps> and his voice got really quiet and he kind of hunched over and he goes, it's Santa. Santa's here. And he, like didn't want to move his eyes i think because he was worried it might go away and he like sort of grabbed me without looking at me he's like dad dad it's santa i said yeah it's santa and we'll book it and you can get a picture with santa this year and he kind of like rested his chin on his hands and he went it's santa and i'm like that melted my cold dead heart i bet it did i bet it melted it and then made it grow three sizes exactly i had the strength of 10 grinches plus two 
so that was part of the inspiration around these episodes is I really wanted to talk about it, about what is Christmas for some people. Because, I mean, we're a relatively new family. I mean, Kimiko and I have been seeing each other for seven years, and we each have our own traditions. For example, her family never did stockings. And in my family, stockings was a huge deal because they were the presents you were allowed to open before your parents woke up. Ooh. My dad made sure that there was always, like, a mandarin orange in there. Well, I, th- I think you mean Santa made sure. Yes, you're absolutely right. Santa made sure that there was always an orange or a mandarin, because in Canada, mandarins arrive in stores around Christmas time. And when he was a kid, getting one to himself was big, because he had, like, a family of six kids. That's always there. And I was always like, oh, yeah, there's usually, like, you know, some boring stuff, like a toothbrush and stuff. But it's like, there's always some little thing. There's always chocolate. There's always, like, a little tiny Lego set or something. That was always a big thing for me. So I introduced her to that. And she's brought me some of her traditions. And, yeah, it really kind of stuck with me that everyone has their own thing and everything is equally correct, you know? Yeah. Like, I had the conversation the other day, like, asking how Santa wrapped things for other people. And I was genuinely surprised that a lot of people said, oh, Santa didn't wrap presents. Like, the presents that came from Santa were unwrapped. They were just, like, under the tree. Oh. And I thought that was, like, really interesting because that makes sense, right? Because why would he wrap them? <laughs> like, like, yeah you're getting them like essentially as soon as they're under the tree it's not like they need to be a surprise but for me and our family like one of the the cool things that santa did at my house was the you know presents from mom and dad presents from us to each other or whatever always in like you know store-bought wrapping paper and in fact there's a very distinct wrapping paper that my grandparents always used for our presents and i don't know if it was for my sisters and for me I don't know if we had the same one, but there was this shiny silver, like, tin soldier nutcracker wrapping paper that they had roughly one million rolls of because they had worked for a paper company. (laughs) That was my entire childhood. Like, that's what my presents looked like at my grandparents, which were usually, like, the bigger and more expensive presents. But Santa presents, plain white paper wow like specifically the like tissue style paper like if you were to wrap like a shirt in a shirt box after you open the box it would be what you put around the shirt itself right oh so it's this plain bright white no ribbons and no tags so you're saying it it, it came without ribbons it came without tags it came without packages boxes or bags yes but it was wrapped and it was usually a toy (laughs) but you know weirdly enough my parents always knew which santa presents were for me and which were for my sister but for me like that's what a santa present looks like it's this thing that is completely unadorned but it sticks out yeah like it's so easy to spot and it's this instant sign oh santa's been here you know and i thought that was like really cool because i love christmas and that is a thing I inherited. Like, my dad read Christmas Carol every Christmas to us. Like, my dad was a big Christmas guy. Like, he had the little ceramic village that he would put up every year, which is not a <laughs> habit I have gotten into. Probably for the best, considering you have a dog. Although, Biscuit's very well behaved. We were a little bit worried because we like to do Christmas and have, like, packages under the tree. But the only little bit of weird destruction that Biscuit does is she will occasionally get a single tissue or paper towel and then quietly shred it. Just like she will worry it until it is confetti. Like a person with a beer label at a party where they don't know anyone. Yes, it is exactly like that. It is exactly like that. (laughs) 
Oh, I can just picture it. No, I know. See, whereas Kimiko's dog, Junior. It's a good name for a dog. Thank you. My wife met a dog today named Sandwiches, which is an incredible name for a dog. <laughs> no, Junior is half Jack Russell, half miniature Dachshund. Ooh. And he has the run to the litter, so he was Junior. Oh, that's adorable. He's a good dog, although when he is left home, when he thinks he should come along, he will find something made out of paper, and yeah, he will do that very thing. Like, he's not a big dog. He is a, a little sausage dog with a rough coat, but he will, like, take a large pizza box, for example, and reduce that pizza box to a pile of postage stamp-sized bits of cardboard, which, you know, is an effort for a small dog. Yeah. That boy commits. I kind of love that that's what Biscuit does, because it's so weird. It's literally like a single tissue. So it's like, it's nothing that is, you know, irreplaceable. Like we were looking today, my wife and I, like at, at pictures of like people whose dogs have like shredded their like diplomas. And that's not what Biscuit does. Like one pen cap and then like a tissue and a paper towel. And that's what she has gone after. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very excited. Biscuit's having a great Christmas this year. She doesn't know it yet, but she's having an amazing Christmas this year. Are you going to let her unwrap her own presents? Do you think she'll be into that? Well, when I gave AC her birthday present, Biscuit did try to help her unwrap that. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. We were like, oh, should we give Biscuit her presents first or last? And AC was like, D last, definitely last, uh, because otherwise <laughs> she will think everything is for her which she does anyway so oh yeah yeah that's a good point it's funny that that reminds me because did you guys do and i don't know I, this is one of those things where i don't know if it's a my family thing or not but did you guys do like one small present on christmas eve and then the rest of christmas morning no because we did the big family christmas on christmas eve and then christmas morning was with mom and dad yeah see we did the single present which was initially always pajamas because that was like my mom's family thing was that you always got pajamas on Christmas Eve that you would then wear Christmas morning. That happened. And then my dad's influence slowly crept in. And it was pajamas, but then an actual present. <laughs> That's great. Because a thing that we've been talking about, uh, my wife and I, is like she has changed her approach to buying Christmas presents. And her goal with Christmas presents now is to just make Christmas Day as nice and comfortable as you can. So it's like you get the nicest pair of socks you have ever owned. You know, you get like a comfy sweater. Are you uh, talking about me in here? Yeah, I'm talking about you. What you saying? I'm saying how great it is when you interrupt. It is how fun it is. Yeah. See, I kind of love AC's interruptions. I thought you were talking about your own ideas of Christmas, not mine. You can play yours mine now? Yeah. It's not, plagiar it's not plagiarizing if I say, <laughs> oh, my wife has come up with this thing. You've done too many podcasts. You don't have enough thoughts to share. This is good. This is good. And this is good content. This is good and loving uh -huh. is what it is. Yeah. I'm smiling. It's fine. <laughs> hmm. Tell Lucas what you, what you were saying about like making Christmas Day nice. Yeah, no, I don't know, I feel like I have a lot of, like, pressure to always, like, get, like, the, the best thing that, like, someone's gonna love and cherish forever, and, like, that's not, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Most presents, it's just not gonna be the best one. It, like, you can't, right? Like, you can't, there's only gotta be one best one. So, I started thinking of it instead of, like, okay, what gifts could I give someone on Christmas to make Christmas Day just great 
And, like, what I want from Christmas is, you know, coziness and quiet enjoyment of activities and reading and puzzles. I want people to leave the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, less, I have a very lovely picture I took of us on Christmas morning last year. And we were just on the couch together, reading. And I was like, oh, this is just what I want. I just want to, like, put on some cozy socks and read a book with my family. That's all I want to do. And if you do that, like, in the process, you end up getting someone, they're going to wear those nice socks and read that good book. And that will, you know, that'll be a thing that they do for Christmas Day and and beyond. Like, wear that comfy cardigan. Yeah. And everyone likes nice socks. But no one buys themselves nice socks. Fuck, am am I going to do with buying myself a $30 pair of socks? Like, you don't do that. You don't do that with everyone. You just do it with the people that you, like, really love. So, $30 pairs of socks and a book. A plus. A plus present. I completely agree. Thanks, Lucas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. The same to you. I'm going to go to bed. It's 8. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna take the dog and go to bed. Alright, I will you go back. You ready to go back? Oh look at that excited face. Biscuit just knocked AC's phone out of her hand. She did. <laughs> she does that intentionally. She hates it. She hates all all electronics. Wait, what is she? She's a Luddite. I was about to say a Luddite dog, yeah. <laughs> Bye Lucas, Merry Christmas! Bye AC, Merry Christmas. Bye AC, Merry Christmas. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's a, a really like interesting and, and like good approach because yeah, I'm old as hell. You get me socks and like a book or like a game for the Nintendo Switch for Christmas. <laughs> I'm set, dude. It's all I want. I <laughs> see. I feel like my father-in-law, so Kimiko's dad, would completely agree because on all holidays father's day his birthday whatever the ones that where it's like what's your present he will say without a shadow of doubt i want to be left the hell alone yeah part of that is like this was like the first like father's day like sunday breakfast i went over to their house for and he said it and i sort of laughed and everyone else was like no he's serious he's gonna go into his office slash gundam workshop slash comic book statue room that has a big tv and his ps4 hooked up and he's gonna play far cry for a bit yeah. I have a picture of, like, the top of his head poking up over the chair with Far Cry in front of it and being like, yeah, Father's Day 2015. See you, Frank. Listen, you know what's great is not having to do anything. Mm-hmm. Not having to do anything. Like, you can do whatever, but, like, you don't have to do anything. You can choose how to spend your day. If you want to spend your day playing Far Cry, then gosh darn it, that is why the Lord came down to Earth. <laughs> that is why the godhead incarnated itself <laughs> no that's the thing is that when i was a teenager like because that used to always kill me was christmas afternoons were always the worst a christmas day afternoon because you had all the like big shock and awe of christmas morning and you had breakfast and then you knew like a, a christmas lunch was a coming but round about like one thirty if the food wasn't ready yet or whatever, or even if the food was early and then it was like 2.30. It was always like, shit, what do I do now? And you're always kind of like wrung out and maybe have a little bit of a headache. And it's like, it's too much. Which is why as a teenager, I got into the habit of going to the movies by myself. I was going to ask, did you do the movies? Because that was a thing that we always did. Which I always felt like a little bit guilty about. Because, you know, somebody's got to go and work. 
on Christmas, which is clearly the opposite of what I wanted on my holiday. But, like, also, eh, they're open. So, <laughs> like, I mean, they're not going to be any less open if I don't go. So the question is, well, then, the movies that you would go to, was it just whatever was on? Or would you try for a Christmas one? Or It's just whatever was on. The first two new Star Wars movies I know we saw on Christmas Day. I think Moana might have been a Christmas. That might have been a Thanksgiving. But Moana might... Like, you know, it's just, it's just whatever's on. Whatever looks good. For a while, for me, the Lord of the Rings movies were Christmas movies. Mm, yeah, I totally get that. Because they'd come out in December, and, it, and then it was usually, oh, we can't go see it yet. Oh, you know, I'm still doing stuff. And then it was, I'm on holiday. I've got however many hours it requires to sit down and watch The Two Towers. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go and, like, make a day of it. And they feel wintry. They do, actually, yeah. Speaking of movies, though, because I know you've spoken at length about Christmas music on War Rocket Age, especially this year where you got the hell of a get that is the combination of Matt Fraction and John Darnielle of the fucking Mountain Goats. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm jealous or amazed or anything. Um, I'm totally cool about it. Can't you tell? I would be bragging if I had anything to do with it. But no, <laughs> that was all Fraction's. Both his suggestion and his get. I think it turned out amazing, by the way. An unsurprisingly great guest to have, uh, particularly on that episode. Because guest who knows some esoteric Christmas music? (laughs) Why, it's John Darnielle. I was not expecting to hear Nappy Roots brought up on that episode, but there it is. Your opinions on Christmas music are well known, but what about Christmas movies? Did you guys have particular Christmas specials you would watch or films that fit the bill during Christmas time? As a kid, always, like, number one, Mickey's Christmas Carol, which to this day, probably my favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol, a story that has been read to me and that I have read like one million times. And I've seen, I I would say, most adaptations of Christmas Carol. My dad would always watch the the Alistair Sim version, which I think is the 39 Christmas Carol, which is also very good. Mickey's Christmas Carol and the Honey Nut Cheerios commercial, where the bee is Bob Cratchit, (laughs) which I think maybe we might have taped it off of like a like a tv airing on like abc or whatever and that was just a commercial that ended up getting caught on the tape that i watched a million times that was the one more than grinch more than charlie brown both of which were also like obviously like in the mix mickey's christmas carol was like the oh it is christmas time now was it taped off the tv as it, as it was the style of the time i don't know for a fact <laughs> that it was but i assume it was I don't think that they aired it every single year, but we definitely watched it all the time. Because it's funny you mentioned the commercials because we had the tape of Christmas specials that would come out and The Grinch was on there and most of Charlie Brown Christmas was on there. But the minute you said, oh, there's the the commercial where it's Christmas, my brain instantly rocketed to the Flintstones Fruity Pebbles one with the ho ho ho, I'm ha ha hungry, where they're friends at the end. And it's like, how weird of a construct. Didn't you guys actually discuss that? Like, we've done 12 Christmas specials, I guess. So it's yeah, gonna <laughs> it's going to come up. But here's my my thing that's always been with the, the Christmas Carol stuff, is that a lot of the adaptations are scary, right? The ghosts and, and Marley with the chains, and especially the ghost of Christmas yet to come. But I'm thinking, like, okay, when is a point where I can speak to Hero and be like, hey, so here's the thing. This era sucked. If you were poor, it sucked especially bad. So and also there are no ethical billionaires, so well, there's how one. are we getting? There's one. 
Scrooge McDuck, of course. Well, well, no, it was a Batman. But <laughs> Scrooge McDuck is a fantastic trillionaire, of course. That's true. Good point. Good point. Scrooge Duck is beyond your petty ideas of good and evil. <laughs> so my thought is like, there's so much baggage in explaining that. But then also, I suppose, at a certain age, you can just put it on and say, here, this is a thing. You can accept it. Similarly, I think trying to put on a Charlie Brown Christmas to a kid who's never been to church, it's going to be a stretch. Because I think, also think the Charlie Brown Christmas is so much, like we talked about earlier, about the ephemera of Christmas. How do you explain Christmas is too commercial now and there are pink aluminum Christmas trees? Charlie Brown Christmas is so of its time, but also so timeless. And I think the of its time stuff comes from pink aluminum Christmas trees, right? Like, obviously. But I think the fact that that is a half-hour cartoon that opens with a child, voiced by a child, going, I'm depressed at Christmas, and I know I shouldn't be, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sad. Why am I so sad? Like, that's that's very much... Like, that's... Uh, do the kids still say big mood? <laughs> I will. That's okay. Yeah. It is, in fact, a big mood. It is a big mood to have the old holiday sads at Christmas time. That said, you are one for specific definitions. Is Linus and Lucy a Christmas song? That's tough. That's a tough one. See, that is the longest I have ever heard you pause, Chris Sims. <laughs> Yeah, normally you ask me for a hard and fast opinion and I've got it. I'm ready to go. And if your listeners are unfamiliar with me, like I am someone with very rigid definitions of honestly everything, (laughs) but like very specifically, what is a Christmas song? What is not a Christmas song? What is a Halloween monster? Uh, That was a big (laughs) one that I got into an argument about every year, honestly. But that's tough because it's... Like, it's, it's, okay, it is not a Christmas song. It is a winter song. And I think by the definition that the Hark podcast applies, where they will rank Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year, winter holiday songs. I think Linus and Lucy, again, it feels wintry. It feels like that first snowfall, you know? Because, like, skating as well is, like, not a Christmas song. It is undeniably... Like, that's, that's not summer. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I feel like for that, I have the same definition that I tend to have for the sandwich debate, which is, you know, is a hot dog a sandwich? Is a taco a sandwich? And if I remember that correctly, it's that if you asked someone for a sandwich and they handed you a hot dog, you would have questions. Yeah. If my wife came home. And I was eating something and she said, oh, what are you eating? And I said, oh, I'm eating a sandwich. And she came around the corner and I was eating a hot dog. She would call a doctor (laughs) because that is not what that's called. So then by that rationale, if you were given a Christmas compilation saying, here is a CD, you know, a burned CD, let's say, full of Christmas music. And Linus and Lucy by Vince Guaraldi Trio was on there. Would you go, hang on a minute? Or would you go, no, I get it. No, I think I'd I think it'd be like, yeah, it feels wintry. Now, if someone said these are specifically Christmas songs, then I would, of course, demand that they acknowledge the birth of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if it's like a holiday mixtape, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, put it on there. Now, I will draw the line at certain things. River is not a Christmas song. 
<laughs> Hard Candy Christmas is not a Christmas song. Brick is not a Christmas song. <laughs> Matt Fraction. <laughs> so I always think back to, I've got a book that I can see from here. I've got two books by the same author. One is Touch Me, I'm Sick. And it's about love songs that are weirder than you think they are. There's a whole There's a whole thing where it's like a dueling edit where he wrote a whole review of the song Brick not realizing what it was about and assuming it was about a breakup and going, oh, this is so bad. How could someone do this? And then like footnotes by the editor going, he didn't know. He's really sorry. No, he didn't know it was about this. Oh, buddy. Yeah, it was bad. Poor fellow. Ben Folds with the Symphony Orchestra was my last concert before lockdown, which is a pretty great concert to go out on. Yeah, I bet. But that's a good one. Yeah, I actually saw two concerts in two weeks. I saw The New Pornographers, which one of my favorite bands. And then the week after, Kimiko got me tickets for my birthday, Ben Folds with the Symphony Orchestra, which was amazing. So yeah, it was a very good musical fortnight before, you know, everything went to hell. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, yeah, Linus and Lucy. I'd say that's a Christmas song. I'd say it's more of a theme song. Yeah. Because while you could, if you were going to pick something off that album, which I bought on vinyl at the One Tower Records that still exists in Shibuya, on my one trip to Japan, I saw it and I'm like, I'm buying that. It's December. I'm in Japan. I'm in a Tower Records. I am buying a green vinyl of the Charlie Brown Christmas record. Your Oh Christmas Trees or whatever would not even be questioned. I think Linus and Lucy is the edge case because it's the one about peanuts, not about Christmas. Yeah. But I also feel like those characters are so strongly identified with Christmas. It's almost like they are almost on the level of the Grinch, you know? And yes, there's like other specials and he goes to the spelling bee that one time. But like, if you are not a obsessive like newspaper comic strip reader and someone says hey picture charlie brown he's gonna be sad leaning up against that wall that is chest high to children (laughs) that brick wall you know i haven't spent a lot of time in saint paul but next time i go up there i'm gonna go drive around looking for that i guess two and a half foot high sadness wall (laughs) that they have somewhere out there yeah and i bet even though they're not like you said, you know, peanuts aficionados. If you told someone, hey, it's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, they know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's a little twig, and if you put one ball on it, it's going to tip over. What a beautiful image. <laughs> what a beautiful, efficient piece of imagery that is. I love Charlie Brown Christmas. It's great. <laughs> Even though it does, like, again, what blew me away as a kid is that they stop it for a gospel reading. Yeah. They put the brakes on the whole show to have Linus call for a spotlight. And read you some of the gospel. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> look, yeah, like, look. You, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta give it to him. It's, it's his day. <laughs> like, <laughs> those shepherds were in fact sore afraid. <laughs> yeah, they were sore afraid. But you know what? Be not afraid. Get, hit me with the book of Luke. Yeah. And the thing is, having read much more Peanuts than I had when I was a kid, yeah, it makes perfect sense for Linus to say that. Yeah. For, to be, to be the one to do that. He's a weird little theologian. <laughs> and not like that kid from Varsity Blues, but like, you know, actually. Yeah. And also he's which, not like, he's not wrong. Everybody's being a jerk to Charlie Brown for no reason, as they often are. They don't know what Christmas time is all about. So this boy with a blanket is going to tell him. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I had a friend who once told me, and I might have, you and I might have actually had this conversation before, Lucas. But the way that he described Christmas, which I think is, again, a very efficient description of the holiday. It's one that, as someone who is very, like, you know, very much a secular 
Christmas fan. A secular Christmas celebrant, I guess, is a good way to describe me. It's one that I really think sums it up. He referred to Christmas and the significance of Christmas as being the miracle of fiction made manifest. It's very good. Yeah, and it is. It's, not to repeat myself from when I was on into it, but I appreciate that there is a time that in the literal darkest time of the year, here, not for you, as a society, for whatever reason, we decided that you have to be nice. You have to be nice to everyone, and you have to give them something nice, and you can't take credit for it. You have to say it with Santa. (laughs) And that's beautiful. I've said it before, Lucas, it's the one nice lie. It's the one nice lie to say, no, 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 I didn't get you that. That must have been from someone who gave it to you because you're a good person. Wow. How beautiful is that, man? Like, I kind of love it. And like, again, I do a show. I, did, I didn't actually say what I do and who I am at the start of the show. I'm just Lucas's buddy. Hey, man, you, you've been here enough. They can go back and see the other ones. You do multiple podcasts, including one about Sailor Moon, one about the Bible, a bunch about comic books. What about Xena? We do a show about the Bible, and the gimmick of the show is that we're non-believers, right? Like, for us, like, the question is never and has never been, is it true? You know? Because it doesn't matter. It fundamentally doesn't matter if it's true or not, because it means something to people. And on that level, like, it's the same as anything that means something to you. You know, it's it, <laughs> we have explained our show to people by saying that we treat the Bible the exact same way that we treat Superman comics. But you have to understand that we take Superman comics very seriously. <laughs> and that's what it is. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's true as much as it matters if it means something to you and what you have learned from it. And I feel like Christmas, as I understand it, as a sort of secular and undeniably commercial holiday, that's what it is. It's a commercial capitalist holiday because that's the only way that we have to express affection in our (laughs) wretched society like right the way that we express affection is by giving someone something whether it's our time whether it's a kind word there is a not necessarily like a transaction like transaction is the wrong word but there is a giving of something and like it is culturally mandated that no you have to (laughs) you have to or everyone's gonna be mad at you And it's like the one thing that I think, you know, like ideally, like we could all agree on is like, you don't be mean to people on Christmas. Come on, take a break. I love that. I think it's great. And so to sum up, I asked you to think about this before, but I'd like you to think back to a time when you got a present and it might not have been the biggest present and it might not have been the one that has the most value to you. I want you to think of the one that when people hear about it, they will go, oh yeah. That's a Chris Sims present. Do you have something in mind? That's hard. That's really tough. If you are a, a on the Warwick to Jack's Patreon, we do a backer exclusive show that I mentioned earlier. It's the one about ice cream, but it's also about my wife and I being extremely married. My wife has crushed it on gifts. <laughs> like a lot. And I feel like the most me gift was the one that she got me this year for my birthday, which was the paintings of my favorite albums, one of which is A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Phil Spector. Because I feel like that's it. It's original art of A Christmas (laughs) Gift to You from Phil Spector and Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen. And that, like, it doesn't get more in my wheelhouse than that. (laughs) But 
I will give you an out and I will say you can use one that is just like is firmly implanted in your memory as this was like this was the Christmas gift for me. As a kid, it was DuckTales on the NES. That was all I wanted. (laughs) All I wanted in fourth grade. So I would have been nine. So Christmas 91 DuckTales for the Mm. NES. Only thing I wanted and I got it. And that game holds up. That is a great game to this day. And see, I will argue that a game about the only ethical... Fantastic Trillionaire, yeah. For the classic Nintendo Entertainment System that still holds up now and that you could carry on a conversation about, that is a very Chris Sims thing. Yeah. And I think that still fits the bill. Scrooge McDuck, who is named that because he does first appear in A Christmas Story. Like, he's meant to be a one-off character. People don't know this. It wasn't for, like... Obviously, I was introduced to Scrooge through Mickey's Christmas Carol, but, like, it was Christmas on Bear Mountain, the Carl Bark story... <laughs> where Scrooge is such a hateful old man that he's gonna dress up as a bear and ruin Donald's Christmas. <laughs> and then he learns a lesson at the end. But yeah, like he is inextricably tied to Christmas. Is is old Scrooge McDuck. And so this side character who went on to be the lead in his own thing and that became the life and times of Scrooge McDuck, which is amazing. Yeah, I think that is also a Chris Sims thing to focus on a minor character who becomes a big thing. Fifth best character in comics, man. <laughs> it's on the list. Immutable. S- Spider-Man, Jimmy Olsen, Batman, Scrooge McDuck, and The Thing. That's your top five. That's, that's it. That's the good ones. That's all the good ones. <laughs> comics are otherwise bad. <laughs> <laughs> and on that amazing note, I'm going to take that out of context and make people retweet it around the place. Chris, if people wanted to find your stuff on the internet, where would they go? Uh, you can go to the-isb.com. That's my homepage, and it's got links to everything there. Other podcasts that I do. If you enjoy strange Christmas things, we always do uh, a big Christmas episode of the Pocker Pals podcast. Uh, we covered the Wintertime Saints, St. Saint Lucy, St. Nicholas, of course. We covered Advent Saints, St. Saint Barbara and St. Catherine, but we've also done a bunch of Infancy Gospels. The stories of Jesus when he was a boy. And kills people. A lot. So much. And also the story of Mary. Did you know that Mary never touched the ground? Constantly floating. Constantly floating and was fed lunch by angels every day. I presume being followed around by that noise like someone blowing on a comb in paper. Like, everywhere she went. Also, the Warwick and Ajax podcast. There's a link there. And we do a big Christmas episode. We did our 12th annual Christmas special. If you're going to listen to any episodes of Warwick and Ajax, listen to those. They are the least representative episodes episodes of the rest of the show (laughs) but they're very fun the christmas curse of the juggalo is weirdly so many people have told me that is a christmas tradition (laughs) for them is to listen to me and matt wilson and matt fraction and eugene han do a track by track review of the insane clown posse's christmas (laughs) album and really isn't that what the season is about no it's not guys it's not can't anybody tell me what this christmas is all about it's about blazy dead homie lights please (laughs) all right chris so thank you very much for coming on and merry christmas merry christmas to you lucas hey lucas don't cut this out leave this in promise me i promise lucas you got us the sweetest christmas gift (laughs) like legitimately brought like i got tears in my eyes when we opened it up it was so sweet (laughs) to get that for my wife and i do you want me to, to talk about what it was? Go for it. Yeah, go. You can say what it was. You got us a custom ice cream scoop <laughs> that says every pint ever. And at the time, there had been two episodes of that podcast. <laughs> it's a good podcast, Chris. Thank you. Like, it genuine, like it meant so much to open that up and see that. It was, I mean, that is a wonderful Christmas gift. Like, it's definitely, if you, if you want to talk about a Christmas gift that is a very me and very AC Christmas gift, then the... Ice cream scoop commemorating our couples podcast 
<laughs> that we had just recently started that you got specifically made in North Carolina. Yeah. For us. Doing like, my bit for the working man. <laughs> incredible. Absolutely incredible. And genuinely tears in the words of Ric Flair with a tear in my eye. In my eye. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad it hit the mark and I was very happy to send it because you guys are some of my favorite people. And so I thought I wanted to do something nice for you on Christmas. Yeah, we legitimately talk about like we are always excited to like look at pictures of hero and kimiko and and see you guys having fun and doing fun things we talk about how sweet you are all the time <laughs> legitimately that's not a bit you are far and away one of our favorite people in the whole world and i hope you know that and uh, i hope that everybody out there listening knows that you are a such a good guy and such a, a, a great friend to have Oh, thanks, man. And yes, I do promise to leave this in, even though I am melting into a puddle at the moment. Because I don't want you to cut it out and be like, oh, well, you know, it's just, you know. No, <laughs> you have to leave it in. I'm making you leave it in because everybody needs to know. I do solemnly swear. All right, good. Thank you very much to Chris Sims for his time, as usual, and for the lovely compliment he gave me. Now, folks, I'm going to part the curtain. I am recording this on the afternoon of December 31st. That's right, it's New Year's, and we're going nowhere, because I'm a parent, for one, and two, I don't know if you know this, but there's a plague on. By the way, I'm doing my best to bring back that expression, much like they used to say, you know, don't, don't they know there's a war on? or something of that effect, I'm going to remind people that yes, there is still a pandemic and it is still ongoing, but it's also fun to say plague. So, don't they know there's a plague on? Anyway, I've come up with a cocktail that'll let people ring in the new year with a small enough number of ingredients that can be picked up on a single, masked, careful grocery shop. And so, the old classic, the French 75. In the bottom of an empty shaker, combine one and a half ounces of powdered sugar and half an ounce of lemon juice. Swish it around until the sugar completely dissolves. Add one and a half ounces of gin and a bunch of ice and shake until combined. Strain into a chilled glass and top up with two and a half ounces of brewed champagne. A new year, a fresh start, and staying the fuck home. God damn it. Enjoy. Dream of snow, dream of snow, dream of you, only you, from the Isle of Distant Dreams, all I dream is Christmas lights, but now the world the Matthew is recorded in Ride, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. 
new episodes will be released, for now, every second Thursday. That's right, we're back, at least for a little while. You can follow the show on Twitter, at the Math of You, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram. If you have a few dollars kicking around and would like to directly support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Lokified and pledge as little as a dollar a month. Or you can pledge as much as you want, but honestly, I'm thankful for anything I get, and there are much better causes out there. That said, if you'd like to support the show non-monetarily, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever else and leave a five-star rating. It'll help people find my show. You can also read a review, and if you let me know, I'll read it out. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. Go to bit.ly slash themathofyou, with capitals at the beginning of each word, to find a playlist with every bit of music I have ever used on the show going all the way back to episode one, including this song. It's Snowstorm by the Ravionettes. They've always been a favorite of mine, and I was happy to use them here on the Christmas special. I update the playlist whenever the episode goes live, so make sure you subscribe to get that new music in your ears. Next time, I'll be talking to Kai McKinney and special guest Megan Bob, talking about being siblings, and oddly enough, qualitative research. Normally I'd say join me, won't you? But to end this year, I'm going to steal a trick off Hero, who's convinced that the salutation dear and the warning beware are the same words, so address his Christmas cards in an unusual manner. So I say to you, beware. I love you, and I'm your best friend. So, again, this is, we're probably going to talk about it on the actual episode and stuff, but John Darnielle, huh? Yeah, man. It's pretty great. So, how long have you had that in your back pocket being, like, sneaky and secretive about that? Jeez. Well, Fraction came up with everything this year. And he was like, hey, should we get some other people? Because three is kind of too few to make it fun, but more than four, and it's just a nightmare of editing. You know, which I have more sympathy for now. <laughs> I was actually doing the thing myself for Fog Bells, but we were like, okay, well, who should we get? Any ideas? And Fraction was like, oh, well, you know, we could try and get Maggie Sirota back since we had her on the Worst Christmas mixtape. And he's like, but, you know, if I'm just, you know, if I'm just thinking about, you know, who would be good on the show, and he threw out this, like, super long list of names. He was like, yeah, John Darnielle. And I was like, I mean, do, do you have John Darnielle's email address? Because I don't. <laughs> and he was like, yes. Yes, I do. Because I'm Matt Fraction. I know things. <laughs> I think they talk about this on the show. They're in a fantasy baseball group together. <laughs> oh my god. It's it's them and a uh, friend of the show, Evan Funk Davies, is also <laughs> in that crew, which I just think is hilarious. <laughs> But I knew, I knew that John Darnielle was at Heroes Con last year, and I missed him, and I had just gotten the tattoo. So I know Fraction told him about that there, and so then I you know, ended up having to explain my tattoo to him on the show, which was just super chill, I think. Just super, super chill. Yeah, he loved it. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody till... I told AC, obviously. 
But I didn't tell anybody until like the day of. Matt and I played D&D on Thursday nights with El Collins and a couple of our friends. So like I told them then. Because I was like, yeah, like this is like as, as soon as this is over, it's going to get wild on Ajax. And I had to explain why. But yeah, I, I had not told anybody because like I kind of didn't know if it was going to happen. Yeah, no, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah he was super great. Super, super great. The moment you started to explain your tattoo, I like had my like my fist in my mouth out of like secondhand like oh god oh god I, how would I explain one of my tattoos to someone who has you know partially inspired it and you did extremely well Chris bravo for you and then his response was just like elation and I'm like oh Chris buddy this is great yeah like it reminded me a lot of the time I met Matt Wagner at a con and he was like yeah hey I'm doing sketches like would you like a sketch you, you know. And I was like, awesome. And so I got out my sketchbook. And I could tell that, like, he opened it up, and I could tell he was already getting set to draw Batman. And I was like, <laughs> can you do Kirby Hero for Mage? And he stopped. And he was like, oh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I got, like, a super sweet Kirby Hero out of it, because it's not the thing that he does all the time. So I feel like nine times out of ten, if someone tells John Darnielle, oh yes, I have a mountain ghost tattoo, he can probably guess what it's going to be. And it's probably not <laughs> a tattoo referencing Starcade 85 inspired by the song For an Object off the album Beat the Champ. <laughs> That's the thing, though, is that Beat the Champ is my favorite mountain ghost album. I know that puts me in the minority of mountain ghost fans, but it's like, it's a real good album, and it's about wrestling. Yeah, it's an extremely good album. It couldn't be a tattoo, but with my head around a little get blood on the front row is something oh. that like runs through my head on a daily basis. Yeah. You know? It's like if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna fucking do it. I'm gonna whip my head around a little and get blood on the front row. It's like, yeah, we're gonna do that. On the latest episode of I Will Fight You, they do Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July mm-hmm. and Ethel Merman's a guest on it. And they're like, Ethel Merman is so... I'm sorry? Yeah, Ethel Merman is... No, not on the podcast. Oh, okay, She's dead yeah, for like, yeah, for like that was the, that 35 was years, man. what got me. <laughs> she died in the 80s. But no, she, yes, she I... was a guest star of the show, of the Rudolph and Frosty thing. Yes. And, and they said, there's so much Ethel in this. You know, it's Ethel time right now. And I immediately went to, it's time, it's time, it's Vader time. And for the rest of the day, had this idea kicking around my head where I'm like do I want to Photoshop an Ethel Merman It's Vader time, like with the horns and the big elephant mask and everything. And I'm like, no, no, no one will like this but me. Uh, then I started, like, I tweeted about it and I was like, there's nobody, oh, I've just been handed a Krispy Kreme donut. Ooh. A Krispy Kreme snowman with a sour rope uh, as a scarf. What, what time is it then? It is uh, 11.21 a.m. Oh, nice. Okay, so good. Not not too bad. Mm. Not too bad. There you go. So that's got jelly inside. Nice. Um, so, again, this idea of like, well, who else would get this musical theater, classic animation, professional wrestling reference that I'm doing? And so I immediately thought of Elle, of course. <laughs> and uh, said to Elle, hey, was Ethel Merman the Vic Van Vader of musical theater? And Elle, they responded like almost immediately, no, of course not. Ethel Merman was the Dusty Rhodes. And I'm going to look up the name. Shit, I've forgotten the name. Uh, dude who was Martin, Martin Acme in Roger Rabbit. Oh, fuck, what's his name? Oh, yeah, anyway, this other guy is, is Vader. Because he's a, he's a big man who could do it all and was surprisingly spry and athletic. And I'm like, you've thought about this before. Because of course they have. They're El Collins. Of course they have. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what were you thinking, even asking? Yeah, but I, I thought about Ethel and it's like, Ethel Merman? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. 
because you know someone might look at Ethel and might discount that Ethel would be a star. But Ethel's a star, goddammit. <laughs> Ethel could do it all, just like Dusty. Just like Dusty. Have you thought about what kind of like what was your stuff that I could front load? I don't. I'm, I don't know, buddy. I have done. <laughs> I'll be honest. With you, I've done zero preparation. Well, I didn't think you would get a, I was going to say, this is what, your fourth time? Fifth time on this? I know you don't, you don't study, man. You just walk up and do it. You're like a yeah. Jeopardy person. Yeah, listen. Yeah. I don't... I'm, I'm there on the day. <laughs> you, you turn up. You're ready to work. Yeah. Me and Dusty. And Larry Hama. <laughs> Me, Dusty, and Larry Hama. Three equally prominent modern icons. <laughs> Perfect. Put you on Mount Rushmore or another mountain that's not being stolen from somebody. Yeah, that would be nice. Do you consider yourself to be a difficult person to buy for, Lucas? I didn't think so until Kimiko started to buy for me, and she has told me that I am, like you, a difficult person to buy for in that if it's something I want, I will tend to get it for myself. Right. Now, do you also have the corollary part, which is I am delighted to just get the things that I have told you that I want? See, I heard you and AC talking about she wants to be remembered and you want to be heard. I'm somewhere in the middle where it's like, I want to be thought of, but I also want to be understood. Because, like, for the longest time, I felt that if I gave someone a list, that was cheating. You know? Not only do I want to be thought of, but I want someone to get the thing that I wouldn't think of getting myself. That would be amazing. And, buddy, that is a recipe for a lot of disappointment. Yeah, and, and it's also, like, it's not fair. No, no, of course not. Like, you, you expect someone else to get you a thing that you want that you don't know about. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's dumb. It's real dumb. I accept this. Therapy has taught me this. Like, put it this way. I was the kid who, for the longest time, uh, when my mom, went, like, when I was a little kid, and my mom or dad would ask me, what do you want for Christmas? My answer would be, whatever you get me will be fine. Which is the most, like, born 40. I'm sorry, when you were a child? A literal child. <laughs> because in my head, I was like, well, I mean, they're my parents. They know, they know what I like. But also, I don't want to be the one who asked for a big thing and then... They think, oh, he's greedy. Or worse, asks for a small thing and misses out on an opportunity to get something nice. So again, there was all this, like, internal cogwheels going. And then I would go, no, you know what? I will actually be pretty happy with whatever they get me. And so I would, I said that until I was about 15. And then by that point, my mom was literally buying me a copy of whatever my sister got. Which is why I got a Settlers of Catan board game when I was 16, having never spoken about, heard of, or played that game. It's, I mean, there are worse presents. Uh, the next year I got a, a box of dishes because my sister was out faking an apartment. And I'm like, I'm 17. What am I going to do with dishes? I mean... I eat off them, basically. But I was still living at home. Yeah, I mean, th listen, those are good presents. <laughs> I hate to say it, buddy, but those are good presents. Yeah. Currently, Kimiko got really mad at me because I'm currently wearing a you know big old Sony pair of noise-canceling headphones which I bought because I was traveling a long ways on a commute. And what I've found is that they are really kind of cumbersome for just wearing around the house or especially because it's summer and it's like, you know, 100 degrees here. And so that's not as fun. So I was like, uh, I normally hate earbuds, but I'll give it a shot. I'll get some like nice Sony ones that are wireless. I'll give it a try. And so I bought them and they arrived. And I turned to Kimiko, I'm like, oh, hey, I'm trying these out. And she's like, you dickhead. And I'm like, what? She's like, you bought yourself a pair of earbuds that you would not normally have bought. December 10th. And I went, Oh, well, you, could, you could have said it to you and it would have been a present. She's like, Yeah, it would have been a present. Mm -hmm. I said, Okay, well, sorry. And then, like, the next day, 
got delivery as we often do, you know, since it's COVID. And I went to the front because she was in, in her office on the phone. She said, oh, could you get that? So I went to the front door and I opened it and it was a box. And around the outside of the box, it says Archie Rose Distillery. And I went, oh, cool. Archie Rose. Yeah, that's, that's the, I've been there before. And so I walked over to Kimiko and I went, oh, that's cool. You bought yourself some gin. It's addressed to you. And she burst into tears and she's like, it wasn't supposed to say it on the outside. And I said, oh, well, I just, I just figured you'd gotten yourself some nice gin. And then she goes, you know what it is? I'm like, yeah, I've bought cocktails at the distillery. And she just started crying and I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what's, I, 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 I could go in the other room. It's okay. Oh man, that's, that's a hard one. That's a hard one, my friend. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I feel like... The thing is, like, you got everything out of that, though, right? Like, you got the thing, and you got the nice surprise. You just got it, like... Yeah. You know. A week early. A week yeah. early. You know, people say Christmas comes but once a year, but, like, they also say to keep that in your heart year-round, and I will accept Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for presents. <laughs> all day, all night. All the time. Yeah, happy to get it. I don't think we've had that this year we've definitely had a, a moment where it's been like hey a box came from amazon it's addressed to you does this exist for me <laughs> the answer is either like yes that exists because it's it's not something i got you or, or no that is imaginary that is fake <laughs> but it seems real no it's fake put it down <laughs> yeah it's who can say if that is a real package or not not i what we found is that he's now old enough this year to get into Christmas, to, like, understand Santa's coming, we're going to decorate the house, it's going to be fun, there'll be presents. You know, some of the ephemera of Christmas he has gotten really into. He helped me decorate the house, like, you know, we put up the Christmas tree together, he's really starting to get into it. And then in November, we were at a store, and he found a, like, Duplo wrecking ball set. And because he is a three-year-old, he loves construction equipment and big trucks and trains and things like that. Uh, held it up and, like, I, and he's like, oh, can I get this? I'm like, that's, that's really big, buddy. Also, it's November. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll take a picture and I'll send it to Santa and we'll see. And so then whenever someone would ask him what Santa's bringing him, he said, I'm getting a wrecking ball. And everyone laughed. He's like, ah, ha, ha. The kid wants a wrecking ball. And in my head, I'm like, no, he actually, he actually wants a wrecking ball. Uh, and so then Kimiko and I were talking and she was like, oh, I figure I'll get him this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He told Santa he wants a wrecking ball. She's like, did he? I'm like, yeah, I have a picture on my phone for this very reason. She's like, oh, he won't remember. I'm like, he'll remember. Oh, he'll remember. Trust me. Do not make that mistake. Oh, yeah. This is the kid who remembered once, you know, months ago when we were at the supermarket and they had the free fruit for kids. So I handed him a banana, but then also our bag slipped off the edge of the trolley. So I grabbed the bag and the banana fell out of my hands and like poked him just under the eye and he cried. Oh, buddy. He asked me about that two days ago. We were just walking along on the way to the park, and he says, Dad, why did you poke me under the eye with a banana? Yeah, Lucas, why? <laughs> I had to Why did you on purpose bag. do that? Yeah, and, and, and my answer was, well, I was trying to catch the bag, and it was an accident. I may have spun it so that it was his fault, but... <laughs> but yeah, so I'm like, yes, he will in fact. So, so I ordered the wrecking ball. And it is now in a cupboard that he in no way can reach. That's exciting. It's an exciting present. It is good. Because like it's, it's big enough that it's like it's like a visual impact to see. That's a, oh, that's, that's a big present. Especially because he's, you know, he's three. He's not huge. So it's like having a box that's as big as you is one of those like big moments. 
if he has a box that's as big as me, that's too much present. Agreed. Buddy. <laughs> Sorry to say. I was going to say, we should actually start the show. <laughs> we should, this is, because there is going to be present talk towards the end. Actually, before we go further, um, can I just drop the headphones for a second? I'm just going to run to the bathroom real quick. Sure, have fun. All right, let's be right back. Lucas, I want you to know that I, I thought about doing a bit here where I'd be like, oh, no, babes, just Lucas. I hate that guy. But, like, that would be very mean, and I don't. So, but I did want you to know that I was thinking of doing a bit here for you to enjoy when you are editing later. But we don't hate you. Not at all. Like, we, in fact, we talk about what a sweetheart you are, like, all the time. So, you know, you got that going for you. I have no other bit to do. So. All right, I'm back. Welcome back. 